Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another insightful episode of the Digital Adoption Show, your go-to podcast for inspiring stories of execution and growth. I'm your host, Nisha Singh, Team Lead for Sales Development at Work. Today, we're excited to introduce our In the Upskill mini-series, focusing on the trans role of learning and development in today's dynamic workplace. Join us as we engage with HR and L&D experts to explore innovative strategies and insights that are driving employee development and organizational progress. In our ND Uphill series, we're shedding light on cutting-edge practices and engaging discussion, aiming to empower you with the knowledge to navigate the upskilling journey in 2024. With a diverse lineup of thought leaders, we're here to inspire a culture of continuous learning and development, enhancing your understanding of the modern work-evolving dynamic. In today's episode, we will talk about the power of personalized learning, boosting employee development. With great excitement, I would like to introduce two distinguished guests who stand at the forefront of the L&B landscape, ready to share their knowledge and experiences with us. Joining us is Carrie Burke, the Vice President of Learning and Development at Telok Health and a distinguished member of the Forbes Human Resources Council. With awards in the medical industry, Carrie is dedicated to developing impact learning solutions and fostering a culture of learning and excellence. Her approach combines data-driven insights with a focus on enhancing employee skills and performance, aligning with Teladoc's Health's mission to transform healthcare delivery. Alongside Carrie, we have the pleasure of welcoming Jessica Michaels, a renowned advocate for neurodiversity in the workplace, focusing on bridging the gap between traditional professionalism and the neurodiverse individual. Through coaching, training, and speaking engagements, she aims to create an environment where neurodivergent talents are recognized and valued. Mm-hmm. Carrie and Jessica, we're thrilled to have you with us. How about we start with a little bit on your journey in the LAP space? Carrie, maybe we can start with you. Thank you so much for that wonderful welcome. Happy to be here. My my journey is pretty interesting because I started off actually in healthcare as a clinician and kind of got into the medical device space, um, fascinated by innovation and um, trying to improve healthcare in the United States. And so I've spent a lot of time in sales and sales training and really got into learning and development, being a part of various startups where if you've ever familiar with the startup environment, it's kind of all hands on deck and you get the opportunity to take on a lot of different roles and a lot of different experiences. And so I, I have done a 10 in sales training and sales enablement, and then was able to really get involved with broader learning and development initiatives like leadership development, mentoring, boarding orientation, executive coaching, you know, all of those things. And so now I have the opportunity to manage a really amazing team across Teladoc Health that does training in three specific areas. One of my teams is focused on training all of our medical providers. I have another team that is focused all on our commercial learning, commercial or side of the business. And then I have another core team that really supports all of our employee, employees globally from that leadership development and, and mentoring perspective. So I'm thrilled to be here and a, a part of the conversation. That's great. That's an interesting journey for sure, Gary. What about you, Jessica? How has your journey been like? Yes, I actually started in recruiting back when you answered job ads in the the paper. I didn't really know what I was actually applying for. I just went into an office for a help wanted and my a career was born. So from recruiting, I moved into sales and sales training. So so like Carrie, that's a big part of my my foundation and background. But I actually got promoted to management very, very young at like 21 years old and made every mistake it is possible to make 
during that time as a manager. And that really spurred my love for training because so many of the things that I had to learn on my own through trial and error, which affected other people, not just me, there were things that I thought, well, it would be so great if I had learned these before I got into the job, if I had had some practice, some training. So from there, I decided to go full time into training with a focus on manager training. Then in my late 30s, I found out that I was autistic and had ADHD. And so that moved me into the world of neurodiversity. And I thought, how can I reconcile my what I know about learning and development and coaching with all of the things? I'm learning about how this giant group of people, you know, how their brains work differently and how can I marry those two things together? So now I'm sort of able to to live out my dream and help new managers be able to work with all different types of employees and really create workplaces that are, are conducive for everybody's success. That's awesome. It's wonderful to know how you can create an impact for an individual. Let's dive into the discussion for today. We want to have a conversation which will revolve around three pivotal questions to aim to uncover the essence of personalized learning in enhancing employment, employee and organization development. So to both of you, how do you ensure that personalized learning experiences not only cater to individual employee goals, but are also fully aligned with the organizational objective. Kelly, do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing you need to do is understand, you know, employee strengths and weakness and, you know, L&D teams need to find ways to help employees figure that out and coach managers to help their employees to figure that out. So what am I good at? Where are my opportunities to get stronger? What do I like? What do I not like? And where do I aspire to be? And and I think actually very few employees really know it clearly. I mean, I even think yeah, as a Gen Xer, I'm still not sure what I want to be when I grow up sometimes. And so I think it's it's a it's a challenge. But I think if you know, we we all generally have an idea of what we like and what we don't like and where our strengths and weaknesses are. And then I think understanding the organization you're working for, where are they going? What are they doing? Common themes right now is all about technology. It's all about AI. It's all about rapid growth for the most part. So what do I bring to the table that connects to that? And more often than not, it's going to connect to the goals of the organization. And so I think it's just really spending time reflecting and understanding who you are and, and having some idea of the road that you want to go on. And the road could be super twisty and, and, and need to be repaved, or it could be a lot smoother and straighter. But, but once you kind of get that figured out, I think the journey makes a lot more sense and it's easier to connect it to the organization's goals. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Jessica, do you have similar thoughts on this space? Absolutely. I think it helps for the organization to have a strong sense of what the goals and the mission are. Because in L&D, even if we're talking about something that isn't directly related to those goals or that mission, we can use the vocabulary of the organization to just make concepts familiar to the employees so it normalizes you know, the, the ethos that the company wants to have. So we really do 
have ways that we can drive that in every everything that we create and everything that we do. But it really helps if employees are getting the message, not just when they go to something from L&D, but every time they see something or hear something, those things are related back to those themes that the organization finds important. I also think it's important that organizations, you know, have a good idea in the talent management space of what is our philosophy? What does a good manager look like here? What does a good employee look like here? And, you know, so things like, you know, leveling and career progressions, just as Carrie said, those things should all tie together. It shouldn't be, I need to act one way if I want to get promoted. I need to act another way if I want to, you know, join a high profile project. These should all weave together. But L&D does have a very unique a unique point in all of that and unique ability to be able to just give voice to those and really make those and make those corporate initiatives and goals make them real for employees in a learning and development setting. Absolutely. And and Carrie, I think you almost touched upon technology here. So let's dip deeper into the role of technology in personalized learning. How important do you think is keeping up with the new technologies while you create these personalized learning modules? Would you have any example where maybe you created something in Teladoc utilizing any new technologies you have? Yeah, I think keeping up with technology is is tough just because it's like it's constantly changing. And I feel like I learned some new random shortcut for my and feel really dumb that I didn't know this beforehand. And even using Excel or Teams, it's just there's a there's a constant pulse that you have to be staying on on top of. And I think what I find is there's two kind of things that I, I like to focus on is personalization and then what drives efficiency. So personalization is like, how much can I customize Microsoft Teams or even my Outlook to work to more efficiently for me, whether it's getting rid of junk and prioritizing messages to respond to and, you know, things like that. I think one of the things that we've tried to do internally is drive more effective meetings, which seems like such a basic thing. But from a technology perspective, it's like man the calendar. So your meetings are 25 minutes, not 30 minutes. It's, you know, sending out agendas beforehand and, and using auto-generated tools to do that. Is you think tools that help you take notes in a meeting through the transcripts and help kind of curate that on the back end so you can go back and kind of reflect on what you've discussed. So I think that's probably kind of a, is something unique that the company's adopted that I think has been very, very helpful. And then I think the other thing is we're trying to figure out, which I think a lot of companies are, is how does AI fit into all of this? And and what are the rules around AI and what are the swim lanes and how does it help us and not hurt us? And how do we leverage it in the best way possible? I, I think it's still, it's still a question mark. No doubt it's great and it's going to transform how we do things, but I still don't think it's going to replace people and it isn't going to replace brain power. And certainly not going to replace personality. So how do we, how do we get, how do we break that, that in effectively? Absolutely. And I think there's so many AI technologies now in the space that we're completely getting lost in all of this and the good and bad that comes with it. Jessica, what are your thoughts on it? Do you also get lost in these new technologies or are you able to keep up with it? I bet rather than trying to keep up with every new piece of technology, the, the opportunity that technology offers us in a learning and development space is the benefit of multimodal learning. 
It used to be that if you wanted somebody to learn something, you got everybody in a room. You know, there was coffee and lemonade in the back with some stale croissants and and things for people. And you went through and you did a live training session. And for some people, that space is a great way for them to learn. For other people, they're just watching the clock, trying to get through the day, and they're not taking in any of the things you want them to learn. It also removes people from their element. The place where they're going to be using the knowledge is at their desk. So if you take them away into a totally different space, it doesn't, uh, it's not as conducive to knowledge transfer as if somebody is able to take in new information in the space that they're going to be using it every day. Technology allows us to say, okay, so Some people learn best in that live setting. Let's do that. Absolutely. But rather than depending on just an attendance sheet of who came to the live training and saying, oh, learning has taken place, we're able to meet people where their brains work best, whether it's best, for example, that they're able to listen to while they're bicycling, or if it's And e-learning, you know, an interactive e-learning where they're able to go through and actually work the information, you know, with their hands a little bit. And all of those things are equal. That's, I think, the thing that um, I'm looking for in the next technology that I really love and evangelize is something that will take the live training, the podcasts, you know, the people who download, you know, download a, a, a white paper, you know, or a job tool and takes all of that and says, OK, these people have all completed whatever we needed them to complete. And all of these forms are good enough by either testing or by just, you know, some way of analyzing that the information has actually transferred. And then in three months, six months, nine months, measuring his behavior change taken place and how can we support that behavior change? So technology really can be useful in supporting what we know about the way different brains work and about the way people learn information if we get out of our own way and get rid of some of our own biases about the way training needs to be done or what constitutes a training and focusing on Do our people know what we want them to know? And are they able to use that to progress and perform? Now, Jessica, it makes me wonder, did your experience with technologies in the L&D change when you started advocating these learnings for neurodivergent people? Yes, absolutely. I used to be a diehard advocate of the live training, mainly because I like to be in front of a room is what I what it turned out to be. When I really thought about it, I thought, you know, when I have people that are learning, what do I look for? Well, I look for raised hands. I look for eyes on me. I look for smiles. I look for people, you know, ready to dive into the discussion. But really, that isn't a measure of who's learning anything. That's for my ego. That's for me to say, oh, I'm a great trainer. And I really took those smile sheets that we would get at the end of the session before anybody could leave the room, you know, one to 10, how great was your training? How great was your trainer? And I really took that to say, oh, I'm doing a wonderful job. People are learning. But none of those things that I was looking for had anything to do with what are people taking in? What are they going to do differently when they get to their desk tomorrow? What is this going, what impact is this going to have on their job six months from now? And so when I started getting into neurodiversity, I really started to think about how do we know if you take away attendance, facial expression, 
you know, participation that we, as we think of it, how do we determine if people have learned things and if there has been some sort of sustainable behavior change within an organization? And the only way to me that I, I came back to being successful when you look at learning that way was through use of technology and other means of determining learning. So absolutely, it, it really caused me to do quite the 180. All right. Then since we're talking about technology, data and analytics is always on the fourth of it. How does data and analytics influence the creation and assessment of these fertilized programs? Would you have any experience with any, any data learning expectations here where you were able to measure the effectiveness with any data and analytics tools? Yeah, I can, I can kind of start and you know, yeah, I mean, I think if you're learning and developing, you you need data to prove that you're bringing a value to the organization. I think it's learning culture isn't the same in every company. And there are people and leaders who invest very on in bringing trainers into the company. And there are others who wait a really long time before doing so. I've been in both scenarios and especially having been at startups and then well-established companies, training always has and, and learning has a different presence and a different type of advancement when it comes to tracking effectiveness and, and data. So I think you have to have data. You have to have an understanding of the demographics. So to Jessica's point, like, you know, right now we're trying to understand, you know, what type of virgin styles and needs do we have in the organization? And then we also have stability needs as well. And how are we tracking, you know, all of that? Do we really have a grasp on people's learning preferences? You know, I always say that people on training think the best training is delivered in the way that they receive it. And we all have a unique way of, of learning training. And I find myself a lot of times arguing with leaders because they think if you, you know, like we just had a word internally called product puking. If you think you just tell them all of this stuff, they're going to just absorb every word that you say like a sponge. And then they're going to turn around and be able to execute all of that out in their own words after hearing it once. And like, that is not reality at all, but yet we keep doing it that way. So you need data to be able to say, this is not effective and this is what we need to be doing. So, and I think there's always a lot of data around who logged in, who viewed the module, how long were they in it, did they pass the test, that they did all of that. Then there's back to how Je Jessica so eloquently talked about behavior change. Like then there's really like, okay, where is this person at through six 360s or having defined competencies and understanding are they foundational, intermediate, or advanced, right? And then they're going to go through this program that hones in on these competencies. And then afterwards, we're going to be able to say that, okay, they've gained knowledge in this area. They moved from foundational to intermediate or whatever. For leaders, it's all about that 360 feedback. What are you good at? What are you not good at? And, you know, how is your behavior and approaches seen and assessed? And so having that feedback environment is another form of, of data. And then I think there's always, we invest in tools to try to make employees more efficient and streamlined and to make things easier for them to use. So for me, it's how can I bring in, you know, something like what fix that makes it easier for employees to use the systems we have in place and then saves my team time trying to create a step-by-step -step guide on how to like update your address in a system and, and all of that. And that, that is all really effective data to say this was the right investment to make. This has saved this much time. This has made this employee. My instructional designer can now focus on building accessible content for my 
for my employees versus how-to guides for the system. So anyhow, I think data is critical. It comes in all forms. You got to have it. You got to be able to tell a story with it. And, and you know, L&D leaders really need to know how to understand and use it to, you know, make their jobs a little easier and to prove the value that they bring. Absolutely. And that's, that's fascinating. Jessica, have you encountered any real-life examples where data made a significant impact in how you created these learning experiences? Absolutely. We had like many organizations have and you know a portal right someplace that people go to to access everything really and any place anytime anything was created it went into this giant repository of information and that system people kind of grumbled about it you know oh it's things are outdated or so hard to find what you want but Nobody did anything about it. That issue wasn't taken too seriously. And what was interesting is when you would go to meetings with people who created content, they would say, everything is on the portal. All the links are on the portal. You can get to all these places through the portal. So we've created the resources are there. But when you talk to employees in a day to day, they would say, oh, I, I don't use those things so much. Or you'd show them something that go, I have no idea that that was even there. And so it wasn't until one of my fantastic colleagues, Tori Ackerman, decided to actually do a study of how people were using that portal and, you know, did extensive testing of how are users finding things? Where are they going? How many clicks does it take to get to whatever they're trying to find? And she was able to very plainly demonstrate that we had created such a behemoth of a kind of training disaster, I would say, of a, just a glut of information so that it was impossible to find what you needed, that employees were not able to access these things that we created, all these fantastic paths we had created for people. There were just so many that people are just going to the search bar and they're just using a couple of keywords. And if the first thing that pops up is the right thing, great. But if not, they were not going back and back and back to try to find these wonderful things that we created. So she was able to, to demonstrate that we really needed to rethink how we were putting information in front of people and how we were guarding those materials and how we were measuring what people were taking in compared to what did we think people were going to use. And so I think by using data in that way, you can see you know, sort of once you finish your project and put it into the world, which is where we used to kind of stop, right? We put the thing out there. Now we're able to really dive into how are people using it and breathing with it? And are people able to do what we wanted them to do? Or do we need to go back to the drawing board and figure out a way to get this stuff into people's hands in a way that they're actually going to use it, which I think goes to a lot of what Carrie talked about, you really have to make sure things are streamlined and things are able to be just sort of incorporated into people's day if you want them to go back to something and draw information, which is how learning works as opposed to going into a room and learning that thing, hearing that thing one time and going, I know it all. I can, you know, I'm going to do my job totally differently from now on. So technology is only, you know, data is only as good as the people who interpret it. And so really looking at what you have and, and what it's telling you is, is critical. But yeah, data really can have a drastic impact on 
on what we can do in an organization as far as learning. That was an interesting story, Jessica. And I think we've just scratched the surface here in terms of personal. And this has been a great discussion. I appreciate you both for sharing your insights. I know our listeners will find it valuable. As we wrap this up, would you have any last thoughts on personalized learning in an organization development? Anything from either of you? People should lean into personalized learning and get away from this idea that Everybody needs to be in a room at one time hearing the same thing. And that's the only way for people to learn, you know, open up to the idea that some people know certain things and bring them with them and they don't need to spend a couple of hours learning the thing they can already do. You know, get into the idea that people learn differently. They experience things differently. And it's whatever the learning can do to help that person move forward as opposed to everybody being in a classroom with, you know, an attendance sheet. And I think that that would, would alone be transformative in so many companies when it comes to employee learning and development. Kay, anything from you on how you want the budding leaders to embrace personalized learning? Yeah, I echo everything Jessica says. And, you know, I think that the other key component of that is having that culture of learning and having that culture of continuous learning that is supported and demonstrated by leaders across the organization and supporting those employees that, hey, is there room in the budget for me to spend $250 to go take this online course or whatever? I think a lot of times if that culture isn't there and that support isn't there, we're missing out on that ability to customize for that employee. And I think um, information is power. So if learning and development teams can help assemble information in a variety of ways and in and help employees be able to navigate themselves and kind of go shopping a little bit for what they need outside of the regular programs you provide, I think it 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 really helps with that personalization piece. It makes it and it supports that continuous improvement environment and it supports like a robust learning culture. And this has been wonderful, ladies. And as we wrap this insightful episode, a heartful thanks to our guests, Carrie Berg and Jessica Michaels for their individual contributions. Their perspectives on the power of personalized learning boosting employee development have highlighted the importance of customizing learning to meet individual and organizational needs, the necessity of embracing technology and the power of data analytics in shaping effective learning experiences. To our Listeners, thank you for embarking on this exploration with us. We hope today's discussion inspires you to innovate in your LD strategies, leveraging the insights shared to enhance professional development within your organizations. Keep an eye out for more episodes in our Eddie Up series on whichever platform you find your both on, where we'll delve deeper into the transformative world of learning and development. Thank you all.